1: Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Will there be a heat check in Denver? The odds say no ahead of tonight's Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Plus, as NFL off-seasons continue, there's a lot of buzzworthy headlines out there. Are they worthwhile or not? We'll get into all that and more as we welcome you into the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM on a Thursday alongside Michael Lombardi out east in Jersey. Stormy Bonantoni with you at Circa Resort and Casino, our Las Vegas studio here for VSIN. Also on the show today, we'll have VEASAN contributor and betting analyst Will Hill coming up in about 30 minutes. Professional handicapper Mike Sommich joins us in hour two and VP of operations here at Circa. Mike Palm back after a couple of weeks off with palms pressing three. And Michael... I know you've missed Palms Pressing 3, so we're going to have that. I have.
4: I've missed you. I, I missed you. I missed the show. Yes, it's good to be back. Uh, happy June, too. I mean, yes. we are in the month of June, so we're slowly matriculating towards football season, which is always a good thing. We're in the height of all these OTA days and many camps, and we finally, finally have finals. We have your Vegas Knights, which I tip my cap to you. Congratulations, and I think we got a really good matchup with Boston and—oh, excuse me—with Miami and Denver.
3: Yes, absolutely. I'm—I'm um, I'm so excited. Yeah, you didn't get to be here on Tuesday when I did my victory lap of just jumping for joy, being on cloud nine. So appreciate that. And let's talk about this NBA Finals matchup, Game One coming up tonight, 5:30 Pacific, 8:30 Eastern on ABC. Jimmy Butler said they like it the hard way they never want it to be easy well it's not going to be easy so he got what he wanted here with the Denver Nuggets they are an eight and a half point favorite coming into this opening game 219 and a half are total at bet MGM what are your initial thoughts here for the opening game
4: well I think you go back to when the Knicks were an eight seed you know during the strike season they, I think they played 54 games I think this is the first time we've we've seen that happen again. But if you go back and study that and you listen to what Van Gundy says about that team that he coached, they really weren't an eighth seed. You know, they were kind of a better team than that, but they had some injuries. And then they lost Patrick Ewing in the Indiana series before they went to the finals. And so they, they were falling short. I think Miami's not an eighth seed either, even though we categorize them as that, because the, 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 the disruption that they felt during the season, injuries and all that, uh, has made it. But this Denver team is for real. And the one thing this Denver team has going for them is they have Jokic, who's this incredible passer. He's a facilitator. He's a pleaser. He helps everybody. And it's going to be a challenge for Spolstra and his staff to devise a game plan to how they can limit. You could take away Jokic, but taking away his scoring is one thing. Taking away his ability to make the other players better is harder.
3: Yeah, and, I mean, he's a guy who's averaging a 30-point triple-double this postseason. It's not something that's easy to shut down. We all know that there's matchup concerns when it comes to Bam Adebayo, the way that Jokic has been able to play against him in the past. And I, I was con- I was curious your opinion on this. because I talked about it with JVT a little bit yesterday. The fact that like Miami's zone defense has been something that's really worked for them. We saw it in the series with the Bucs. We saw it in the series with the Boston Celtics where it tripped up the opposition a little bit. Denver is the number one rated team in the NBA playing against zone defense. So, how is that going to affect this Miami team who's been using that as a strength?
4: Well, I mean, Miami plays more zone than any team in the league, right? We know this. And they play it differently than most teams. I I think one of the things when people hear the term zone, they think, okay, we're going to relax our defense, we'll let our players catch our breath. Miami plays an up tempo zone, they play a hard edge zone. They are challenging. They're moving. They're trying to do things. You could see it. They're a match zone team. And the way they put away their they, – they take their worst defender and put him on the back line to let Bam Adebayo be a factor in this. So – The problem's going to come into is when how Malone, who's had time to prepare for this with the Denver Nuggets, where he stations Jokic, and do they double him in a zone concept? Because the one thing Greg Popovich always said about Jokic, the talent that he possesses, is you cannot double him when he can see it. If he sees you coming for a double team, it's over for you. So you have to almost be CIA-ish. You've got to be deceptive with your doubles. That's hard to do.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that tonight will be good for us as, as viewers and bettors to kind of get a feel for the way that these games are going to be played and what's going to be successful or not against a guy like Nikola Jokic who is so dynamic no matter who's up against him on a given night. But also you think about some of the games that they've played, whether it be in the postseason or regular season as well. Usually like the games where he goes off, are the games where you're not getting a lot of support from the guys around you. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, we know that Jokic is going to beat us. Let him do whatever he's going to do and just make sure that nobody else can hurt us on the floor. So maybe that's a tactic coming into tonight. But throughout the course of the playoffs, it seems like every series, and especially last series against Joe Missoula, we've talked about the Heat's advantage when it comes to the head coach in Eric Spolstra. And he is one of the best coaches in the NBA. But now you're going against Michael Malone, who's got a, a pretty darn good coaching record himself here. And that's not an advantage for Miami in this spot. They've had the rest advantage of, as well. As somebody who's watched, like, not only, obviously, the, the amount of football that you have, but all sports and, and in the NBA, because I know that's a love of yours. What do you make of the rest advantage? How significant is that for Denver coming into this game after 10 days?
4: Well, I, I, I don't – the rest is great, but there's rest comes rust. And so there's going to be a little bit of the pace of the game. You know, we're at a point in the season where, you know, you, everybody needs rest, but sometimes there's too much rest. It's like we go to, uh, you know, the Chiefs when they had a bye week, you know, and they have all this time off and they're getting to ready to play Jacksonville in the playoff game or Philadelphia when they're getting ready to play the Giants. Rest is great. But being able to pr- play immediately at a high level is always your concern as a coach. Now, I, I believe, to me, Malone will address that because I don't. I think his players are all in. I don't think they have the. Hey, we're going to go gamble in Las Vegas, or we're going to go make. <laughs> you know, we're going to hit the Borgata like the 76ers <laughs> player, the one player did, James Harden. But to me, it's really about having your practice execution be similar to a game. Because conditioning is what matters this time of the year more than anything, right? And so you can't let your conditioning slip away. You can't take five days off. You can't just disappear. You know, we, we use the word rest as if it's the golden goose, when in reality, you've got to be precise with your execution, and you can't lose that. And I think Malone's smart enough to know that.
3: Michael, I feel like you not only did a dig to James Harden there, but Joel Embiid. Talking about
4: oh, the yeah I mean, as well. <laughs> I mean, oh, I can do it all the time, subtly or overtly. I, I mean, it. I could do it clandestinely or overtly. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's just obvious. You know, it's so obvious. It's going to be interesting to see Mr. Nick Nurse, mm-hmm. how he handles this. You know, is he going to show him? This is what I would like to know. None of the reporters in Philadelphia will ask Nick Nurse at his press conference because they couldn't believe that this would be in a scouting report. But I wonder if Nick Nurse is going to show Joe and beat a scouting report on him. Ooh, That, that would... would be fascinating. Here's what we think of you from Toronto's perspective. Well, I was going
3: to say because we, I, I know that we talk about a lot of these things or they talk about a lot of those things behind the scenes but actually bring it to the player. That would be very interesting. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, Nick Nurse and the 76ers later, but I want to stick to this series. You brought it up. I, did. I know. You brought it up. That's know. your
4: fault. Not you brought mine. Up James
3: Harden. Come on. <laughs> but so um, – Obviously, Denver in this spot is a significant favorite in the series. They've been bet up from minus 360 all the way up to around 425. I've seen today. Same thing with game one. Um, Most spots around town are sitting at nine. But Denver isn't about to let being the favorites role impact their approach to this series. Here's head coach Michael Malone, followed by Nikola Jokic on their thoughts about where things stand.
0: What are the themes uh, going up against Miami and, and what may make them an atypical
2: eight seed well, as I told our team, man, like, forget the A-seed stuff. I mean, they, they beat Milwaukee 4-1, to one, team that had the most wins in the NBA this year. Uh, they beat Boston 4-3, to three and they're up 3-0. Team that, I think, the second-most wins in the NBA this year. So uh, you get to the NBA Finals, it's not about seeding anymore. And for those that are thinking that this is going to be an easy series, um, I don't even know what to say to you, people. I mean, like, this is going to be the biggest challenge of our lives. It's the NBA Finals. You know, th- this is you're trying to win the first NBA championship in franchise history. And it's going to be the hardest thing that we've ever done, which is the way it should be. Who said that we
0: are favorites? The media? Las Vegas. Las, Ve- and Las Vegas told us that we are not. We were underdog before. No. That doesn't. It's not correct. I think. I mean, I think we are not the favorites. Uh, I think in the finals there is no favorites.
3: I appreciate the sentiment, but yeah. yes, they are favorites. They're favorites for a reason. But I like the way that that Malone is approaching this with his team, Michael. That he's saying you're going to have to fight for every inch of this thing.
4: You know what we often do in sports is we take one sport and we transition it to another. So we take the seedings in the NC two A tournament, and then it means something in the N- NBA. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean. You're seeded. That's what you earn based on your one loss record, right? Mm-hmm. But there's no the correlation to the, to the cause of that. We know Miami played a lot of games with injuries. They went through it. They weren't all pre- precise. But to think that they're still an eight seed after beating Milwaukee 4-1. to one. I know Milwaukee didn't mm-hmm. have Giannis. I get that. But then they come back and, you know, the Knicks were playing at their best level. They took care of them and didn't even shoot well or play well in that game that series, and then they take Boston and go up 3-0. So Malone has the right. He, you could just hear his players and his messaging to his team. Look, nothing's easy. We're at the highest level of sports that we can get to, and if we don't play our best, they will beat us.
3: And you have to think, too, with this Miami Heat team, four years with Jimmy Butler, they've been to the conference finals Three times. They've been to the NBA finals now, their second time. Yes, their regular season wasn't what you would expect for a Miami Heat team, but they were a six to one shot in the preseason to be in this position and win an NBA f- finals. And Obviously, that changed 150-1 to 1 after the play-in, but they are built a specific way, and they have a lot of the intangibles that I think other teams on this run have not had that is unquantifiable. So we'll discuss this series at length throughout the course of the next two hours. Great start, though, here, Michael. We'll get picks from Mike Samich and Will Hill a little bit later, but... When we come back, more details have emerged from Aaron Rodgers' exit in Green Bay. And Tom Brady is certain that his playing days are behind him. We'll discuss that and more in News or Noise next.
4: This is the Lombardi
0: Line with former
1: NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on vSEN, the sports betting network.
3: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem Call 1-800-522-4700. And this is the time in the NFL off-season program where news cycles are a little bit slower, Michael. We're making whatever kind of content that we can find. I know journalists all over the country are just trying to make stories here. And I think it's good for us to separate what's news and what's noise in a number of these headlines. So yeah, let's get into it, especially because I know you're very close to the situation here with the Raiders, and we've talked a lot over the last week about Jimmy Garoppolo and the news coming about out about having to have surgery on his foot, the waiver that was put into his contract that delayed that initial press conference announcement, and everybody's kind of been freaking out about it and stirring up the rumor mill about, well, Tom Brady, maybe, he could come back out of retirement. I know he's, do, you know, would have to get full unanimous. Tom Brady's working out. Tom Brady's <laughs> working out.
4: Oh, my God. Tom Brady's working out. It's like I oh. heard Tom Brady was working out with shoulder pads. I heard Tom Brady was in a full uniform working out. Did you hear that? I heard everything. It's unbelievable. I didn't Tom hear Brady's the full uniform
3: out. rumor. That's hysterical.
4: That was one I heard. Wow. Yeah, full uniform. Could you imagine that? Well, Buckled up, knee braces and everything.
3: Well, so he had an interview uh, that came out in Sports Illustrated this morning where he said he's certain he's not playing again. Quote, I've tried to make that clear. I hate to continue to profess that because I've already told people that lots of times. So he has to outwardly come out and say this because the rumor mill about him coming to the Raiders if Jimmy G gets hurt is just going all over the place.
4: It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Look, the Jimmy G thing, and I talked about this on my pod, this is a no story. They They want Jimmy G to be healthy. They want Jimmy G to be their starting quarterback. But there's also the business element of this. And the fact is they had to put an injury waiver, which is very common in contracts. And, of course, somebody writes on Twitter, well, it's not common in seven-figure signing bonuses. Well, maybe the, the fifth metatarsal having to put a screw in isn't common either. But the, way, but the intent is common. The intent is common. If they didn't want to pay the bonus, they would have failed them on the physical. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to reduce the bonus, they would have failed them on the physical. And then once they found him on the physical and he becomes a free agent again, they could have got a better deal. They could have got a great deal. They could have said, well, everybody, Jimmy's damaged goods. We don't want him. Oh, Jimmy, you want to come back? Okay, instead of giving you 20 to sign, we're going to give you 10 because nobody else in the league wants you because you're damaged goods. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. They said, Jimmy, we want to work this out. You're worth it. We're not going to – this is not going to stop us. So, like, nobody plays it forward nobody wants to play it forward because it doesn't rhyme with the narrative that they want to sing it doesn't you know jimmy g got a waiver in his contract he's not going to be this oh tom brady's coming in he's working out in full uniforms i mean it's ridiculous can we talk about something of substance as opposed to this i mean we've become the national inquirer in terms of sports
3: it also makes me laugh too with the brady side of things especially because he's trying to get a minority stake ownership in the Las Vegas Raiders, the way that that would have to work out for him to actually play is getting approval from all 32 NFL owners in order for that to work out and figuring out how the salary would work and what would be against the – like, play for $1, I guess, on the salary cap. It's a well, whole bizarre thing. But, but Michael, like, do you think that other teams in the AFC West are going to be like, yeah, absolutely, bring, bring Tom Brady into the vision. Sounds great.
4: I mean, look, look. It, it, why let facts get in the way it's of the so narrative? It, why let that? I mean, we don't. I mean, there's been a there's been a website out there that's just been promoting Brady's coming. They won't let it go, because you know the algorithms are simple. Put Brady in an algorithm, and it's going to click more clicks. I mean, look, Brady's done. He, he said that. The people that I know that are closest to Brady, and I know Tom, are say he's done like everybody thinks and it's more because of he has to move on to chapter 2 of his life. He's got to do he's got his children that he needs to be a father for as a single parent. Those are important things to this man.
3: Even Rob Gronkowski said yesterday that that's the craziest rumor that he's heard this offseason, and there have been plenty. Let's keep it in the quarterback realm of things here in another quarterback that garners a lot of headlines and clicks. Aaron Rodgers talked to the Athletic's Matt Scheinman, this week, and um, the source from Scheidemann said that the Packers essentially like, were asked by Rogers' agent to fire GM Brian Gutekunst or trade Aaron Rodgers at some point when they were going through all of the conflicts that they were. Is this news or noise that this information is coming out now?
4: I think it's a lot of noise. I mean, first of all, here's a question I have. If he wanted good out of there, why did he sign the big extension last year? Okay? If that's what he wanted. And they brought Randall Cobb in. They tried to Mm -hmm. make him happy. Look, this divorce has been ongoing for a while. I don't think Aaron's been happy. But why is it news today? He's on the Jets. Like, do we have to put a bow and package on the Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay? It's over. The divorce is ugly. It's over. He got a wonderful settlement. The Packers got a nice settlement. And the Jets paid a hefty price if he plays 70% in the settlement. So move on. It's over. Do I think, you know, the, first of all,
3: you know, you watch, do you watch Succession? Uh, I haven't this season, but, yes, I have watched the show.
4: Well, so, like, if you want to blame Goot for everything that's going on, then you don't understand the motives behind some of these huge organizations. There's some people that control the strings more than what the titles indicate, as we saw in Succession, mm-hmm. who got promoted to become the president. So, you know, like – don't tell me you want Brian fired, you want Goot fired, when Mark Murphy is controlling everybody. He controls everything. It makes no sense at all. Like, the story doesn't add up. Just like it doesn't add up that Lee was on the sixth floor. Like, stuff doesn't add up.
3: Um, uh, by the way, I'm one of those people that likes to binge watch. The only reason I haven't watched Succession yet is because I wanted the finale to come out so that I could watch them all at once. I'm one of those types of people. Are you, are you like a week-to-week person, Michael?
4: Uh, you know I, I am, but I like to sometimes I like to just wait to watch three or four in a row. I mean to me right? this it was so that show there's nobody likable in that show. like there's nobody you like with like at least with the sopranos, Uncle Junior now they're all bad in the sopranos and they're all murderers and they're all after I get all that but there are this humor in it and they make you like them in succession there's nobody likable. There's nobody likable. They're all just out for their own self.
3: Michael, yet of all of the people and the wrongdoing that happened in Sopranos, Meadow was still the character that I hated the most. So there you yeah,
4: go. I, no, AJ, <laughs> I couldn't stand AJ. Yeah. To me, AJ was like the Bronx tailed, an unfulfilled promise. <laughs> I mean he just he just just couldn't get his crap together, you know?
3: Um, Okay, as far as the Jets go, by the way, they're plus 280 in the AFC East behind only the Buffalo Bills and those odds. The Raiders, before we move too far off of that, the longest shot in the AFC West as well, sitting 11-1. to Let's go to... Uh, Another we're just going all quarterbacks here because Deshaun Watson talked to media earlier this week at an event says he would love to have his former wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins on the Browns news or noise? Of course he would. What
4: what, what would you expect him to say when you ask that question? Oh, no, I hate Deshaun. I hate uh, DeAndre. I don't want him. You know, what do you would expect him to say? Like, of course, you know, would he make them a better team? Yeah, but uh, it's got to fit within the salary cap. It's got to fit within their pay structure. Like, yeah, do I would if I were in Cleveland would this be something I would want to dig into? I would dig into it. I wouldn't say I have the answer. I would be concerned about how it would affect the entire team this year and going into next year, but would he help Deshaun become a good player? Yeah, just like you got Amari Cooper on the outside, you got Elijah Moore, you know, you got Donovan Jones, Peoples Jones. I mean, he's a good player too. So you got four good players there. It would certainly help.
3: Why don't you run the sound, Elliot, because he, he definitely had a lot of love to give to his former wideout.
2: Me and D-Hop, we just naturally talk. We've been talking since, you know, the Houston days, and then also whenever he left for Arizona, we were always talking. So, you know, he's always been a brother of mine since I was coming out of high school. Our connection, our relationship has always been great. Uh, and I know there's a lot of things swirling around in the media of, you know, him possibly coming to Cleveland. And, you know, for me, my answer to that is, of course, we would love have album. Uh, He knows that Um, we had a lot of connections, but, you know, that's kind of out of my (laughs) range of things, of kind of coordinated things. So all I can do is, you know, make a call and and see what happens let AB do the rest.
3: He made the call. They obviously had a lot of success when they did play together. But you you heard uh, Hopkins when he talked about the list of things that he needs for a team that he's going to go to. Do you think that the Browns fit that?
4: That's a great question, Stormy. I mean, do they have a stable front office? Yeah, I guess they do. You know, with Andrew Barry, has been the GM for a couple of years, and, you know, Paul DiPodesto's been the guy operating behind the scenes as the GM, too. So, you know, I think Stefanski's got to win this year. It can't be 7-10 and 10 again. I think it's really important. So, you know, I think he knows Watson. Is Watson all in? Watson always has been a guy that appeared to be all in. Obviously, the off-the-field incidents down in Houston – deters that a little bit so you know are they committed to winning a Super Bowl I would say there's no question they're committed to getting to a playoff appearance because to get to the Super Bowl is a little bit of a reach since they haven't even been to the playoffs since what Baker left them there what 20 on the, on the uh after the uh strike year I yep. mean after the COVID year
3: yep uh the Browns interesting position in the AFC North the Bengals a plus 140 favorite followed by the Ravens plus 240 and the Browns plus 425 we're going to step aside will hill joins us coming up next you won't want to miss it get his picks
1: this is the lombardi line with former nfl executive michael lombardi now here's your host stormy Bonatone, on vsin the sports betting
3: network become a vsin pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests you also get unlimited access to the vsin.com slash picks page where you can sort picks by sport matchup event date and more Check out the top VSIN Experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VSIN Expert has the hot hand as well. For VSIN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24 7 video access, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. You can join us by signing up now, just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Still to come here this hour on the Lombardi line, we'll have a writing spotlight of Michael's latest article for VEASAN.com. It's a make or break year for this second-year quarterback. But first, we're going to turn our attention back to the NBA as we bring in good friend of the show, Will Hill, VEASAN contributor at NotTheWillHill on Twitter. And Michael, this guy is already texting me in commercial breaks, giving me grief about me not liking Meadow on The Sopranos. She was so annoying.
4: (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know, He's, he's range, as I've often said, Will, the range is remarkable. I mean, from I'm spanning the globe, as they used to say on the wide world of sports, It was it's just impressive. It's really, it's all you could say. You tip your cap.
5: I'm a little concerned. If she doesn't like Meadow, I mean, what, what do you think she says about us, Lombardi? I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I just, the first I mean, three seasons, look,
3: does she not drive you insane? There is, little, some, there is some. There's a
5: little bratty. Yeah, you're yeah. right. With the I option. mean, look, I never so had so a daughter. It,
3: yeah. <laughs> I never had a
4: daughter, so it was probably I have a granddaughter, which is different than having a daughter. So, but I I could see that. That was. That was uh, that would be hard, and all of her daughter's friends. It's not an easy thing, no. No,
3: it's not at all. I'm just saying. But um, we'll we'll work our way. I didn't know. Also, yes, like you said, Michael. Though all the things that he does in the world of sports, sports, but also a television aficionado. Oh no, Will completely to scheduling
4: too. Don't forget that, story. <laughs> he can schedule too. He's wondering I'm- why the game's starting at 8:30 tonight. <laughs>
5: How about the recency bias, though, Lombardi? I mean, Succession is a good show, but people put it on the same level as The Wire. Oh, my God. I think it's total recency bias.
4: It's complete. I mean, if it, The Wire and Succession, I mean, the, the, they're talking different levels here. It's the same thing. Like, somebody was watching. They had the 76 or 2001 season revisited, and Femi was watching it last night. I haven't seen it yet. It's a documentary on NBA TV. And they were t- and, and sh- watching Shaq in that final. Femi's like, oh my God! Anybody wants to compare him to to Embiid is crazy. But people don't spend the time to go back and study it. They don't give it a chance.
3: Yeah, I don't want y'all to hate me, but I've, I've never seen The Wire before, so I'm just going to move on to the NBA Finals now. If okay, that's all right Stormy, with you. here
4: we go. The,
3: uh, the Denver Nuggets, a big favorite tonight in Game 1, my friend. Eight and a half, nine-point favorite, Total to 19 and a half. And looking at your bets here specifically for this opening game, Will, it's, I'm sensing a theme that you're kind of just looking for different ways that you can buy in on Denver without having to lay the number and the hefty price.
5: I don't think this is a bad matchup for the heat. I think this is a total nightmare matchup for the heat. They just, when you're you're guarding Denver, it's about how do you stop Jokic and nobody can really stop him. Anthony Davis is as well equipped as anybody and he had a nightmare trying to guard him. But Miami just doesn't have the size, doesn't have the bodies. Uh, Adebayo is a good defensive player, but he's given off what, 40, 50 pounds, a few inches where Jokic can just wear him down, I think. Jokic can shoot over the top with that high release where Adebayo can't really affect the shot. I think when you go back and look, And again, you have to take regular season basketball with a grain of salt. But Denver has killed Miami the last few years. And it makes sense. There's just not a lot of size for Miami. I know there's talk that Miami will dust off Kevin Love and put him on Jokic and and use Adebayo as sort of an Ed Reed free safety roaming around to just disrupt things. I don't know if that can work. Do you put Butler on Jokic and try that? I mean, I, I, I doubt they're going to zone them very much. Maybe you just give it a look of possession or two as a little bit of a curveball. But Jokic is too good of a passer, too good of a shooter. They cut. They all they 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 all they all pass. They all cut. They all shoot. So I don't think you can zone them. I just think Denver's going to have their way offensively. So uh, Denver team total over 114, I think, is a good bet. You do worry a little bit about the rust. I mean, 10 days is a lot. It's like having two consecutive all-star breaks. That's a lot of time. So you do worry about that. You know the first quarter the first half maybe but to me denver's gonna pull away i just think denver this is a tough spot for miami uh, a 12 round knockdown drag out series against boston they get on a plane they're playing denver a few days later i could see miami running out of gas late here so uh, i think denver wins tonight i think this is a good matchup i think they, they win going away i think they probably pull away here in the second half
4: uh you know will um... Miami played the most zone of any team in the league, and we know Jokic is a great passer. I have a feeling, though, they're going to try to say to Jokic, you do the scoring, we're going to make sure Michael Porter, Murray, and everyone else doesn't get theirs. Now, it affects you in offensive rebounds and all that stuff, but to me the zone was effective for them against the bigger teams. So you got to believe they're going to lean on what they were successful with. I think Jokic's under-assist might look like, oh, it's nine and a half, but it might look easy. But I I think they're going to force him to be the score and not the distributor.
5: Yeah, you kind of have to make up in your mind if you're going to play these props in terms of the Nuggets players of how they're going to play Jokic, what Spolster going to do, because it's really, it's pick your poison. All right, we can't guard Jokic one-on-one. We'll just let him be a scorer, and he's going to drop 45 or 50 points. That's not a great scenario, but is is that better? It might be better than all right, we're going to double him and just leave ourselves naked all over the floor to cutters, to open three-point shooters. You brought up the point Van Gundy always brings up where you can't double him if he can see the double team because he's just going to pick you apart. It's just going to be layup city. It's going to be open three-pointers with Porter Jr. and with Murray. So you have to make up in your mind how Spolstra is going to handle this and then bet it accordingly uh, in terms of the props. I I think it's like, you know, it's like... uh, pitching to a great hitter in baseball where you just can't do the same thing every time. So sometimes they'll double them. Sometimes they won't. You have to mix your pitches a little bit. So I don't think we'll see a steady diet of the same thing. So uh, I I do think Spolster and the heat will try to mix this up as much as possible.
3: When you say you feel like it's a nightmare matchup, I know you like the Nuggets specifically tonight, but when it comes to the the series as a whole, minus 425 isn't exactly the way that you want to play it. Do you like the series spread minus one and a half? Could you even go as far as two and a half? Are you doing an exact series score? How do you play it for the set as a whole?
5: Man, it, seem, it seems disrespectful to, to uh, pick a sweep with how competitive Miami has been and just how tough and how they've shot the ball and Riley Sproles the whole thing. But I, I do think, I'll just call it five. I think if you can lay two and a half at plus money, even one and a half, you're almost laying $2 now. It's a it's a hefty price even to you. Say you know Miami uh, loses this game in six or seven uh, or six.
3: Yeah, well, um, I, I I bet the minus one and a half games at at minus one fifty earlier this week, and then it's like minus one eighty five, minus one ninety yeah. already.
5: I know, and that opened minus 130, so that just shows you people are thinking the same thing. They don't want to lay the $4. I, I, to me, this is Denver gets both at home. They get a split in Miami, then they close it out in five. Um, look, I, I, Miami's done a good job this postseason, but they've, they've had the same MO. That is win game one in Milwaukee, win game one in New York, win game one and two in Boston. They haven't had to play from behind. I feel like if they don't get this one, and it's you know, 1-0, and before you know it, it's 2-0, I think eventually they just run out of gas. This is a team. I know they're not a typical eight seed. You throw the seeds out the window. This still is a team that was outscored in the regular season. And to me, they're just running into an absolute freight train of Denver with home court, with rest, with the best player in the world. And he is the best player in the world. Um, I don't know how much of of an odds maker he's going to be when he retires if he doesn't think they're the favorite. But (laughs) to me, this is just Denver.
4: Yeah, I, I, and you also like Michael Porter over 15 and a half points. You think he, they're going to kick the ball to him? I mean, that's a tough matchup for them, too. The, to me, his, his length and his height is really a problem. Yeah, you think
5: of Denver, and you think, I, I mean, I don't know if people say this, but I think there's a perception that they're a finesse team because they're so good in offense, and you sort of associate being good in offense with finesse, but, man, this team is big. Jokic is big. Gordon's big. Porter Jr. is enormous. And like he said, they just don't have the 6'9", 6, 6'10", 6, bodies to affect the shot. And, man, he is, when he's shooting the ball well, it's like he's 6'10", Clay Thompson. There's just nobody that can affect his shot. And you just go up the, up and down the Miami roster. It's Duncan Robinson. It's Martin. They just don't have the long athletic wings to disrupt uh, Porter Jr. And, and to bother his shot. And, you know, if, if you are going to double Jokic at some point, Porter Jr.'s right there. Murray's right there. So uh, I think Porter... Always, these role players always shoot the ball better at home. So a few threes for, for Porter will get you. Uh, you know, if you hit three, you're, you're already at, what, nine. And to me, 15 and a half is a doable number. So I like Porter Jr. over here.
3: If the Miami Heat have a chance to have any success, we all know that it's going to be behind their star in Jimmy Butler and his will to win that he puts forth, I feel like, night in and night out. What kind of a night do you anticipate, though, for him coming off the hard fought game seven earlier this week?
5: You never feel great betting against Butler, but I think under 27 and a half points is a good bet just because there's a scenario here where Denver's up 16 into the third quarter. And if you remember a week ago when it was game five in Boston, it was the same thing. Miami's down 15, 17 in the third quarter. and Spolster said, you know what? We're going to punt here. We'll get our guys some rest and we'll get ready for the next game. Um, If you have a scenario like that where Denver's up 16 or up 18, middle, late third quarter, Spolster just might say, you know what? My team hasn't had a, a blow in a while. Denver's rested let me use the rest of the fourth quarter Friday Saturday and all day Sunday to get ready for game two so uh, that's why you know you do pretty well betting unders because if it's a blowout you know, the under's in play, bad night, the under's in play. Butler has not been that efficient in a long time. I know it was controversial a little bit, who won conference finals MVP, and I really didn't have a problem giving it to Butler. I think it could have gone either way, but it's been a while since those Milwaukee series where he's just shooting, you know, really well, putting up 40, 50 points on high efficiency. Even when he gets to the mid-20s in points, it takes a lot of shots. So I think under 27 and points here on Butler
4: is a good bet.
3: Yeah, I mean, you look at that game six loss, and he's 5 of 21 from the floor.
4: Yeah, and Caleb Martin has really been there. I mean, he's, what, shooting 60% in the last four games from three-point line, so it's like, you know, he's been, their, he's been their go-to shooter. He made some incredibly tough three-point shots in that last game.
3: Will, you're awesome. Thanks, buddy. Good luck with Thanks, your bets. Thanks, Will.
4: All right, see you. Thanks for having me.
3: That's Will Hill. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at not the Will Hill. Coming up on the Lombardi line, Michael's going to break down the importance of year two for an NFL player's development and why this quarterback has a lot on his shoulders coming into this season. Don't go anywhere. The Lombardi line coming back next.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
2: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy
4: Bonatoni on Vsin, the sports betting network.
3: BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, is ready for the final sign up using the code Vsin, that's V S I N and receive up to 1000 bucks back in bonus bets even if you don't win your first bet. Enjoy BetMGM's wide variety of parlay selection features live betting options player props and boosted odds specials during the championship series. Sign up today with bonus code BSIN and get up to $1000 back in bonus bets if you don't win that first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and up new customer offer all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire 7 days from issue gamble responsibly gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. Gotta love those risk-free opportunities for people getting involved, getting bet MGM for the first time back here on the Lombardi line. And Michael, obviously, you know, I cover college football really closely during the season. And when I talk to coaches, ahead of the year a big topic of conversation is always the jump from a player's freshman season to their sophomore season and I feel like there's a lot of parallels there when it comes to the NFL as well and you have an article up on vcin.com that dropped over the last 24 hours called NFL second year players can make or break seasons why is that first year to second year so important
4: well because the first year you know they're just learning the system they don't have any confidence they don't play fast they're, they're thinking and playing in the second year, the thought is removed. They're just naturally playing, and their instincts for the position can take over. This is why, I mean, I would say 15% of the rookies are the only ones who make significant contributions to the team. It's always that second year, and we spend so much time focusing on, oh, we've got to grade the draft. We've got to grade the offseason. When in reality it's this, it's the twenty two draft, the twenty two off season that really can show itself or ties that bind the team together. So that's why. And as I was writing it as I started out, you know, I, I was wanted to write about Desmond Ritter, who you covered at Cincinnati in the conference USA. And I was gonna write about other players, but it just seemed to me there's no player carrying a franchise as a second year player more than Desmond R- Ritter.
3: Well, and even, I think it was just a handful of days ago, Desmond Ritter was quoted in an article saying that his head was spinning this time last year. He's in a very different situation now, having played the final four games of last season, um, learning day in and day out, gaining more comfortability with the pieces around him. What is like? What does he need to do in order to take that step this year and make the most of the opportunity? Because the Falcons are a team that, were in a lot of talks this offseason about going out and getting another guy, but they stuck with Desmond Ritter, believing in him.
4: Yeah, I, and I and I question: Do you think it was the they believe in him, or it was the only option? I mean, that that's where I'm not certain because I went back and watched all four games, and I watched him play, and and I watched how they operated the offense. Okay, so what did Arthur Smith do in this offense to help him? What did he do to kind of Uh, give him an opportunity to handle the the events. He opens up with the same game. It wasn't very pretty in that game. And then the next game was, I think, Baltimore. Not pretty either. You know, a lot of high-low reads to the side of the field, try to run the ball. Once they got behind, it was hard. And then the Arizona game, he got a little bit more comfortable. It wasn't until the fourth game of the year that he throws his first two touchdown passes. Mm -hmm. Now, what he was really good at doing, Stormy, was protecting the football. He fumbled three times, he lost two. But he didn't throw an interception. He was not going to throw one. The problem I have here is, though, when you watched him in college, there were moments where you said to yourself, man, he's really good. Mm -hmm. He's going to be really good. And then there were moments where he was so inconsistent. And those inconsistencies, those highs, those lows, those ups, those downs, make me wonder, can he turn the corner? And I often said this, what, what, what happens to a lot of us in sports is we get really carried away with the great kid, the character, the leader that he is, and I'm sure he's all those things because, as you know, he was that way at Cincinnati. But are we thinking too much into that as opposed to what his skill set is?
3: No, I think that's a good point of conversation because I know in talking to Luke Fickle specifically about Desmond Ritter that senior season he had, he, like every time that you talked about him, he would glow about Desmond Ritter and the character and the type of a leader that he was able to get guys on the same page. Just a really, really good person that you want to root for. But at the end of the day, in the National Football League, there's a lot more that you have to have than just that. And I wonder, especially because those final four games of the season, I know I've said this to you before, I was very hopeful and optimistic that because you had the change at quarterback and um, that Desmond Ritter does have a good arm, that they would try to move the ball more downfield through the air. Is that more like inconsistency when it comes to accuracy specifically? Is it a lack of confidence? Like where do you see the inconsistency most when it comes to him?
4: I think a lot of it is with the accuracy, is putting the ball where it needs to be placed. This notion and this, this, this kind of line that we have, well, the receivers are going to make the quarterback better. No, 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 that's not true. The quarterback makes the receivers better. If the, if the receivers make the quarterback better, then why wasn't Trey Lance any good? Why was Brock Purdy better than Trey <laughs> You're Lance? You're
3: trying to just dig in the wound with me for San Francisco, aren't you?
4: Well, I mean, there's the perfect example of it. You take over the offense. I mean, Lamar Jackson takes over for Joe Flacco with the same receiving core, and all of a sudden they go 6-1. and one. He's a rookie, and Flacco was 4-5. and five. The, receiver, the the generation of talent outside of the position comes from the point guard. It's the, He's the distributor. And so the quarterback is the point guard, and – when I watched it, Ritter averaged 6.1 yards per, per attempt. That's horrible. You can't win games at 6.1. I mean, that's really bad. And it wasn't because his eye level was down. Sometimes your eye level goes down because you got hit too much, so you throw the ball, you check it down. His eye level was up. He wanted to throw it. He just wasn't ready to pull the pin on it. He didn't have enough confidence. He could get the ball in the right spot. He was worried he was going to throw an interception, you know, so he didn't want to take a chance. Oh, it's a little dirty. I don't want to throw that. Well, look. Every throw in the NFL is going to be a little dirty. Like, there's no really – it's not Alabama throws where guys are wide open, there's nobody around them. There's going to be dirty throws, and you got to be really accurate with it.
3: So, currently at DraftKings, we see the Falcons set at uh, 7.5 win total, um, plus 250 to win the NFC South. A lot of people think that they – have the door wide open um, when it comes to that division, that it could be anybody's division, really, whether it's the Saints, the Falcons, or the Carolina Panthers. And if you're believing in the Falcons and you're betting on this team to live up to a lot of the expectations you have with this second-year quarterback, what's the biggest fear you have offensively? Is it that a defense is just going to sell out to stop the run and you have to rely on Desmond Ritter? Is that going to be the the thing that's going to make this, make betters most hesitant?
4: I think... Atlanta has only one style of football to play. They've got to control the clock. They've got to run it. They were 31st in the National Football League in passing attempts last year and 31st in passing yards. They were 24th in touchdown passes. So they have to slow the game down. They have to play a slow-paced game, keep their defense off the field, play 28 minutes of defense, 32 minutes of offense, right? Slow the game down. That's really good on paper. If we get behind fourteen to nothing in the first half or fourteen to nothing in the first quarter or twenty minutes into the game, we're down seventeen to nothing. It's really going to be hard for Atlanta to generate a drop back pass game and get back into the game. Unless they're playing against somebody. Remember the Tampa game that was his best game was against Tampa when they had nothing to play for. So of the four games, you know, two teams that he played, Arizona was horrible and they play he led them on a come from behind win in that game. But then the last game against Tampa, when he threw his two touchdown passes, T- Tampa's not playing anybody. So style is going to be really important for Atlanta. And that style is going to result in a lot of three-point wins and three-point losses because if you can control the pace, you're going to be in the game in the fourth quarter. They, they outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter, to 76. However, that being said, you know, they couldn't close games out, couldn't close Pittsburgh, couldn't close these games out that they needed to close out. And they got fortunate beating, you know, they got fortunate beating Carolina in the first game because DJ Moore took his hat off.
3: If Desmond Ritter has the most pressure on him as a second, a second season player for his team having success or not, who who would the next guy be for you in terms of that second year player facing uh, an uphill battle this year, or or just somebody well, that's important?
4: Well, Calathitis, the kid from P- Purdue, the defensive end, the first round pick, he had six slacks last year for Kansas City. I think that's how you say his name. To me, he's a guy who's got to take over for Frank Clark. He's got to play all the time. Can he do that? Can he come in there and do that? You know, Trey Anderson from Atlanta, the linebacker, second-year player, he's got to play good for them. There's so many of these guys out there that you look at, yeah, this guy's got to play really good, you know, because if they don't, they're counting on him. And if he doesn't play good in his second year – Uh Uh-oh, that's a real problem. Like, for example, Walker Little at Sanford, who's a second-round pick or third-round pick for Jacksonville, he played as a rookie. He played good. Now you're hoping he plays even better next year. Same thing with, with, uh, uh, with all the rookie offensive linemen that got in the draft last year, especially the two out in Seattle.
3: Well, and that's good to know that it's not just at the quarterback position with Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy's, but it's it's the players in general taking that jump from year one to year two. All right, Michael, we got to take a quick timeout here as we wrap up our one on the other side of the break, though. It's time for No Way or No Doubt as we break Uh down some of the more notable headlines around the league.
4: You should do one of those. You do No Way, too. You could do it.
3: All right, throw me one. Throw me one. (laughs)